I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte, and you're with Stan, Rowe, and Raph on the SGP podcast. Woo! Are you ready? You're listening to the SGP podcast. You are listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the SGP Podcast. It's just me this week. Stan C. at your service. No Ro Moran. He's under the weather. No Raf Kamas. He's being held hostage at work. So I'm recording right now at the Wave 89.1 studios, but still using my own equipment, using the Wave acoustics. So it kind of sounds a bit different from how we normally sound at Balaikamos or at my parents' condo or wherever else we've been recording over the past Year since I left Mellow 94.7 So it's kind of a new sound And it also feels good at the same time Because it's been a while since we've recorded the podcast In a proper studio setting So I'm really thankful that I get to do this right here And I'm also kind of bracing myself Because this means I'm going to have to stay here st- Spend the night here And then wake up at 4 in the morning To do the head start tomorrow at 5 But you know that that's, that's tonight And that's tomorrow morning For now though uh, I've got a very special podcast this week Because uh, we're being joined by one of the Hottest rising stars in PWR today. He is the current all-out war champion. And he's someone that a lot of people have been very intrigued by, especially when he was teaming with Mike Madrigal as one half of the Deadly Sins. Please welcome to the SGP podcast this week, Mr. Vlad Sinsik. How's it going, Vlad? How's it going, guys? Um, nice to be here. This actually reminds me a little bit of the padded rooms that I am put in, um, which... I don't know, there's no windows, no door, no glass panel, but otherwise it feels kind of like home. <laughs> so that's the Vlad Sinsik persona, but the Vlad Sinsik character yeah. that people have come to associate with you. And for the longest time, uh, nung debut ka, you weren't even a speaking character. True. You were always just laughing, yung garalgal ng boses mo was very distinct, but it took a while before you even got on the mic and spoke. Yes. Right, so was that by design? That was by design. That was by choice. I chose to kind of um, shroud the Vlad character behind some sort of mystic. Why does he not speak? I wanted people to be curious as to why I was like that before I gave them a taste of like how it is that I actually when when I do speak when I let out words. I, I like to think that I'm well, Vlad would be a soft-spoken person, but when he speaks. There's a lot of substance to what he says. It's kind of like, uh, I guess, the latter half of The Undertaker's career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really speak a whole lot, diba. Right? But whenever he spoke, it was always something with gravitas. Right. Right. So, okay, so that was by design. But, um, you know, for, for people who've been attending PWR shows all the way back to the MCS days or the, the iAcademy days, mm. they probably recognize you as the boot camper with, <laughs> with a really thick beard. Standing by the entranceway. Yeah. So that was always where you were positioned. Always. Bakit dun? I don't know. Maybe because um, crowd control would most likely make sense if the bigger people guarded the entranceway so people can check into the backstage and stuff like that. And like nobody wants to mess with a big guy with a full beard. But no. it's intimidating by nature, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe that's like the failsafe. But like, you know, knowing you behind the character and getting to know you as a person, having spent some time with you outside of what we do in PWR. Uh, it, it's very different. Like the, the the grittiness of Vlad Sinsik is very far off from how you come across in real life. Yes, I, I would agree with that. So okay, so like, where do you channel that? Because you know, knowing you, you are you know um, you do tend to be soft spoken, but when you do say uh, say stuff, say stuff rather, it makes sense, and it's not you're not the mema type of person either. So like, how do you draw that that uh, guttural character that you know Vlad Sinsik's all about? Um, well, mostly it's, Vlad's character is centered mostly around what I don't usually do. Um, not to say that I'm not soft-spoken in real life, because I tend to choose when to speak, choose my words wisely, but, like, in the, in the sense of, um, I don't really get to 
unwind in the same way that Vlad is very loose. You know, he's very unhinged. And um, normal day-to-day life, for me, is very is very organized, actually. So I guess that's just my way of breaking out of the norm of my day-to-day schedule and stuff like that and then doing something different. So let's, uh, you know, let's bring it to your day-to-day schedule, your normal life. Yeah. What is it that you actually do? Um, a lot of it revolves around um, business. Business, so it's interacting with people, um, trying to meet with suppliers, get the product. Um, and um, yeah, a lot of it revolves around that. But I am also currently, just very recently, this past sim, actually I went back to school. And it's a big adjustment um, after over a decade, actually, since I last studied. So yeah. So you're balancing your time between handling your own business and being back at school. Is this a second degree or a master's degree? No, no. This I never finished college. So oh, I'm trying okay. to get my degree now. In, in uh, what what is your major? Psychology. Okay, damn. So it's like uh, over a decade of of being in school and being back in a classroom setting. Uh, you're what in your late twenties, early thirties? Um, entering thirties this year. Yeah. Okay, so how's that like for you? You want classmates? Are they like a full decade younger than? Uh, most of them are. Most of them are. There's another dude that is in um, school. He's also around my age. So. I don't know why he got delayed or what the story behind him is, but um, it it's nice because there is no divide um, in the ages. Everything is natural. Interactions are natural. There's no bias or prejudice towards, oh, you're really old. I don't feel like I can talk to you. There's nothing like that. Okay, so you know that, that's, that's pretty cool to hear because when I was an undergrad, I do remember also being classmates with uh, people who were in like their late 20s, mm-hmm. and I would always think to myself, Say UPA, so I'm like, damn, right, these right. people are wasting other people's taxes. <laughs> so it's always that stigma. But I, uh, I assume that you don't go to state U, so you don't have that stigma yeah, following yeah. you. All right, at least, right? At least. Okay. So uh, you know, y- you seem to have a very organized schedule. Then, if you're balancing business with your studies, so um, wrestling comes in for l- like most of the PWR guys once every Sunday. Once every Sunday, yeah. right? And that's. Uh, that's uh, where you get to channel everything. Uh, it, it's an escape, Deva, for, for most of us. It is. Right? It's an escape. It's a release. And um, I, I am friends with you on your private Facebook account. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, on some of your memories, from like 2008, 2009, oh, okay. a lankier version of you attempting sentons and uh, uh, swanton bombs. Swantons. Right, right. So... Um, how did that come about? Like, have you always been playing wrestler even when you were in school? Um, yes, that is a fact. Because, um, so growing up, I started watching wrestling sneakily, right? My, my grandfather would be flipping through channels. He would land on wrestling and I would be like, oh, keep it there. I want to watch. And uh, my parents were a little strict, so they wouldn't want me to watch. So I had to go behind their back to do that. And then growing up um, in school, actually... I don't really like telling this story. I'm not very proud of it, okay? But um, <laughs> So I was a new student in this school, right? I just entered... High school? Um, no, grade school. Okay. Uh, third grade, new student. Um, and then, so I had a friend, right? We were friends back then, before the whole... <laughs> before everything happened. So uh, we were friends, and then he was sitting in the waiting area of the school, right? And uh, so there are benches uh, mounted along the walls, and then the floor were kind of like... You know how the little pebbles are textured and stuff mm, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was the flooring. And me, number one, because I'm a wrestling fan, and number two, because I have ADHD. Spur of the moment, I just felt the need to do something, right? So I grabbed the guy, put his head in between my legs, Jesus. and I pedigree him. Oh, God. Right? So from what I watch in wrestling, no one ever gets seriously hurt from pedigrees, right? Because people sure. know how to protect themselves. And stuff like that. This guy was not a fan of professional wrestling. <laughs> so he had no idea what to do in that situation. Um, so yeah, I, I hooked him up. And then I drove him down to the ground. And he actually hit his face God. on the ground. And he broke most of the bones in his face. He had to be rushed to the hospital. I got suspended. Only suspended, thankfully. Like how long? A week? A month? Um, 
a month to find that. What the hell? Yeah, what do you if do? If I remember correctly. Oh, you're in grade three. You get to spend it for a month. What the fuck do you do for a month? Uh, nothing. No, I mean, like, they give you requirements still that you're supposed to do, right? But you can't be in school premises. I don't know how that makes sense. Mm. How is that a punishment to me? Because I get to chill at home, right? <laughs> but, like, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that's the policy they implemented. So, I'm like, all, all right. Okay, so when you came back to school, did you have this dark cloud hovering over your head? Now, oh, that, that's a motherfucker who pedigreed this. Uh, <laughs> um, not so much, actually, because most of my friends um, in the same batch, same class, whatever, they were also wrestling fans. So when I came back, I was greeted with like <laughs> applause and adulation. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, pedigree, Triple H. I don't know. So people are crazy. And you're you not friends with this kid anymore. Um, there came a point where we talked again. Um, that was still back then in high school. But like ever since that point, we no, no, it was never the same. Sonia, like, uh, did, did he have, like, visible scars or, you know, um, marks on his face that never went away? Actually, no. So, I, I'm guessing the surgeon did a really good job just reconstructing everything and, you know. And they never sent you the bills? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know if my parents paid. They, they probably shelled out money for that, but I don't know how much. Or, how um, did they react? My parents? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with violence, <laughs> much, much uh, rage, and um, I don't know how to explain it, but like, obviously, they would attribute it to, oh, that's why we don't let you watch violent stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, typical parent stuff, so, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about your background. Because uh, you did mention that you grew up in a very strict uh, family setting, mm-hmm. right? So tell me about uh, life growing up. Uh, what what was home life like for you? What's family life like? Can you describe the level of strictness or if it's conservative or whatever? Can you just take me through that? Okay. Um, huh, this is a little tricky because, like, open to interpretation. Okay. To me, back then, it really felt like I was really repressed. Like, I, I couldn't do a lot of stuff. Um Considering that my parents are conservative Baptists. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, so there was a lot of restrictions. Like, I couldn't play with toy guns. Okay. Um, I, I couldn't watch wrestling or anything like that. Um, even, like, cartoons that had a lot of violence and fighting. Um, video games, I couldn't even say that I killed this person. It's always like, oh, no, killing is wrong. I just say you defeated someone. <laughs> it, was, it, it was something along those lines. So um, if you can picture, like, stereotypical Christian, let's say Ned Flanders. If you can p- picture yeah, yeah, Ned yeah. Flanders as both my parents, that would be pretty on point. Minus um, the doodly doodly. Yeah, minus that and the pedo stash, yeah. if you will. Right. Um, so there came a point in time growing up where I... I, I would guess, like, most kids chose to do a little rebellion and stuff like that. So um, there was a time that I ran away from home without telling them. Um, How long were you gone? A few days. A wow. few days. And then they came looking for me at school. And then my, my barcada at that time, they were like, Uy, di ba lolo mo yun? At dad mo yun? Come on, stop pulling my leg. And they were actually there. They were in the car. <laughs> like, oh, crap. Okay, so they found me. So I had to go home, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, Where did yeah. you stay? Where do I stay? Uh, Blue Ridge B. No, no, I mean, where did you stay? Oh, where did I stay? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where did I stay? Uh, classmates house. Oh, okay. my classmates house over at Sunwood. Like they just took you in? Yeah. And it was totally normal. Like, hey, I ran away from home. Can I crash at your no, place? No, because um, the, the setting was, the first time I ran away, uh, there was an event at school. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't allow me to go. Yeah. So they grounded me and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, if you're not going to allow me to go, I'll just leave and not tell you and not come home. And then maybe, maybe, you know, you guys will learn your lesson from that. Like, like I'm the one <laughs> supposed to be teaching a lesson. Uh, yeah, so I did that, and then, so I, I told my classmate about it, and he was like, okay, fine, you can stay the night, and stuff like that. And then, a few days came, they were fine with it, and then, there, it came to the point that my grandfather and my dad actually came, uh, to look for me there in the area, so I was like, oh, bummer. <laughs> Freedom, gone. <laughs> 
So okay, so uh, you come from that kind of background, and you would get your wrestling fix by what? Just sneaking, uh, like when your grandfather um, watched TV. Originally, or? originally it was sneaking, but uh, like at some point, did they just give up? I think so. Yeah, I, I would want to say they just gave up, but they, I guess, they learned to trust that it wasn't that detrimental to like how children grow up and stuff like that. So funny. Like, did they watch it have an effect on you, or did they? Uh, did you tell them that, oh, you know what, I follow the story of so-and-so wrestler and I learned so-and-so values or something? No, no, nothing like that. I mean, I, I never talked to them about, like, what I see in wrestling. No, nothing like that. Um, I guess it really just was uh, organic change that came about when they realized I was a certain age and I was like, ah, oh, never mind. Or I think it's kind of like how parents realize at some point that they, they can't stop you, right? Probably, also that. Like, uh, I, I pretty much encountered the same resistance from my parents watching wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Right? So they would always catch me. And then eventually, you know, they realized that, uh, oh, you know, he, whether or not we say anything. You'll keep doing it. Keep doing it. Right. right. So sometimes it works to your benefit and everyone's benefit. Sometimes yeah. it works to your detriment long term. Like, say, if you pick up a vice, right? Right. You're like, oh, stop smoking. And then eventually you'll keep smoking anyway, right? Not realizing that it's going to fuck your lungs up. Right. So, yeah. Okay, I get that. Okay, uh, another. Uh, so I want to ask about ADHD because you mentioned. Oh yeah, it. yeah, sure. right. So um, ADHD isn't a um, the the last D is disorder, right? Mm. Okay, so if it's classified as a disorder, how did you deal with it growing up? Like, did you ever have to take meds, or did you have to see a specialist growing up? I did both. Like at certain point, they took me to a, I don't know, a specialist, if, if you will, because I don't know if it was a legit psychiatrist or like. Anyway, so they took me to a doctor um, who uh, did some tests and stuff and confirmed that I did have ADHD. So at some point, they gave me the medicines that I was supposed to take uh, daily, actually. But I, at some point, I realized that it didn't really help me, Okay. the meds, right? So I stopped it, and then they said, coffee helps. The doctor said coffee helps, so drinking coffee helps. Instead of, um, how do you say this? It doesn't make me all energetic and whatnot. It just helps me focus. Right. Because attention deficiency is yeah. kalaban. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, there. So, okay. Uh, how, um, I'm not sure. Is there a connection between, like, say, ADHD and wrestling? Na, did it uh, make it easier for you to, say, pick it up? Or did it make it harder for you to pick up? Um, with wrestling, it wasn't much of a, a factor. Uh-huh. Um, in academics, it was okay. That's so, why, yeah. Like up to this point, I'm not done with school because ADHD was always for me. Um, it played a big role in like I would start off well, and then like midway, I would start to slow down, and then towards the end, I'd be like, I don't get the point of this anymore. So and then I would just kind of just give up on myself. But for wrestling, because I knew how passionate I was about it, and ever since I was a kid, I wanted to become a professional wrestler. So. It never got in the way of that. So, for people who are listening who probably aren't familiar with the day-to-day struggle of ADHD, mm-hmm. like, uh, how is it like? Aside from you know, you start off strong and then the interest and uh, focus just tapers down as you go along. Like, how do you concretize that? Uh, I don't know. Is there a way to? Like, say, in a normal day setting, do you? Uh, is there a feeling of say your mind just racing around all over the place or? Um, you know, sensations like having a hard time sleeping or something. Sorry, I, I really don't know the, the specifics uh, right. of, of uh, people living with ADHD. Um, I have a hard time sleeping all the time. Okay. Like, more often than not, I can stay awake, have, like, a power nap, and be okay for the rest of the day. Um, I'm an insomniac. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's just because I have insomnia or if it's attributed to ADHD causing that way. Um, and then... What else? Before, it was worse. Definitely. Growing up, teenage years, it was worse. I felt like I was all over the place. My mind couldn't really focus on a lot of, or, or like, one particular thing. Uh, it was, you know, jumping from here to there. Um, nowadays, not so much. It's a little more controlled. Yeah. All right. So, okay, let's go back to the wrestling. And you said this is all you ever really wanted to do. Yeah. So, when you first... How, how did you hear about PWR in Bootcamp? How did I hear about PWR? Um, so, 
my friends, my longtime friends, two people who are part of the social media team. Yeah. Uh, the Del Rosarios. You see them around with the GoPro yeah. and the cameras the ones, around the ring. Yeah, they're doing promotional stuff. Yep. Um, so they're the ones who introduced me to PWR. They somehow stumbled upon PWR on Facebook. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, so there's a local wrestling promotion that mm-hmm. does shows. And then... So we, we went to check out the shows. Um, it was back in MCS. I don't remember specifically what show that was. But we went, we watched, and we enjoyed thoroughly. So we were enamored in the, fa- in the, the fact that here in the Philippines, um, there was something like this. And we only ever dreamed about you know seeing live shows. They, they got to see a couple of... Uh, WWFX, when they went here, they, they got to do a little meet and greet. Yeah. I never did, you know. So all the more, for me, it was like, there's something here for us, you know, for the wrestling community in the Philippines. So I, I was ecstatic to find out. Um, and then we kept do, going to the shows, uh, attending. And then, how to wait. I got to talk to Raf Camus uh-huh. uh, of all the people. Of back, all the people, yeah. yeah. Of all the people, Raf Camus back then was the ring announcer. Okay, right. And then they were doing a press con at the, the formerly known appraisery, right, um, for Revo X. And then, so I waited until everyone left. I was just lingering in the back. I was waiting for my opportunity. <laughs> I can right? imagine how awkward that must yeah, have been. Yeah, it was. It was awkward for me. It was awkward for him. And then I, at one point, just approached him. I was like, I'm pretty sure you noticed me just standing there. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I wanted to ask, like, how, how do you manage to get into PWR? Because, you know, this is all I ever dreamed about. Uh, and there, so he told me about boot camp. Yeah. Um, he told me there would be a time where they would, the PWR would post on their Facebook page and then they would be looking for people and all I got to do is send in that I'm interested and then they'll reply if they feel that I'm good enough or something. Like, the, you know, the little There's stalking a screening process. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, S- screening slash stalking process. Right. Make sure you're not a creeper. <laughs> and then, there. So I waited for that time to happen and then boot camp came around. So I tendered, I tendered in my interest message, whatever it's called, I don't know. Um, they said, okay, so they gave me the details of where to go, when to go, stuff like that. Um, and then there, I showed up at boot camp. First day. It was really weird. Um, but like, it was... Like how weird? Why weird? Weird because there was a lot of people, right? Um, batch 5 is my batch. And they are all just... Everyone was trying to weigh each other out for some weird reason, right? Like, it's kind of like you're sizing each other up. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. And, uh, and these were just applicants. They weren't even, like, the wrestlers, you know? So when the wrestlers came around... Um, oh, God, the wrestlers. No, sorry. No, talk no, about no, it. No, I, no, no, it's fine. Yeah, he's, he, he was there, obviously. Um, Yusuf Mir... Brian Leo, for those of you who are curious to who I'm pertaining to. Anyway, so uh, he was there, obviously, being the president at the time. Um, yes. Yeah, because he was notorious for showing up late to yes. training, right? Yes. So, yeah, so uh, it was his way of feeling out the other people to see how they would react to the, the president being late. That is what he said. Right, which is a load of bullshit. He was like... Um, I went late on purpose so that people will... will I'll see if people respect me. <laughs> and I don't understand the logic behind that rationale. Like That doesn't make any sense. Just say that you're late, you're sorry, you know. And it's not very... It's professional. Not, yeah, it's not professional. It's unbecoming of someone who... Holds the stature of president, right? I just so, got to say, like, right I was about there. to say, oh, you know, uh, in, in, on Chris Jericho's podcast, they have a dusty impression uh, tradition. Right. I was about to say, oh, you know, we can start, like, a new tradition here where you impersonate Is him. it new? Haven't people been doing well, this? Well, people have been doing this, right. right? Right? So, like, but you just went out ahead and did it yourself. I didn't even have to fucking prompt you. I, like, I, props to you, dude. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So, batch five, that's... Um, that's your bootcamp batch. Right. Seems you need part in batch five who are now on the main roster. Um, on the main roster now are Dax Severa, um, Alexander Belmonte III, uh-huh. uh, Robin, Martivo, um, 
who else? I don't even remember who my batch mates are. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, sorry. But those are a, a lot of those were the guys who debuted at RevX 2016 and the Shawdown. That was your crew. Yes. Right, so you joined Bootcamp uh, basing on your timeline like mid-2015? September of 2015. And it took you a little under a year to finally debut on the main roster. So how was training like for you? Because um, for some people, Bootcamp is a breeze. Nah? In like two, three months, they're on the main roster, like a John Sebastian. And then there are people who've been there forever, like Araf Camus. Right. And you kind of fall somewhere in between where you were only really there for less than a year. So mm-hmm. how was that experience like for you? And what did you go through during that time? Um, starting off, it was very challenging for me because like, my body's not used to the amount of conditioning and just the battering that it takes right? when you train or become a professional wrestler. My athletic background, Kaba? Yes, I did like basketball. I, did, I was varsity in volleyball. Um, I did badminton, but like, nothing full contact. Okay. Aside from basketball, may but, but you're like, big. Or right. I assume you played big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was not comfortable playing big though, but but because of my height and stature, you know, that's where people put me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was it was something I needed to get used to. Yeah. Um, I think same is for everyone. It mm-hmm. takes it takes a while. Um, but like, I when when training was was ongoing, I, I like to think. That I would, th- how do you say this? Ah, I would think how theoretically things should be done. Yeah. Before I put them into execution, and people always ask me like, why was it so easy for you to just get how it's done? Because like from the beginning, even on day one, like they were saying I'm a prospect for like, oh, this guy's showing potential. If I, I think it helped that you had the look, eh? Diba? Like, you had that Luke look. Luke Harper look? <laughs> yeah. Right, Frankly, right? right? Napaka-brusco nung itsura, eh? Uh, full beard, and, you know, you, you don't look young like the rest of us. And I'm not saying right, that right. as uh, to throw shade on you. It's actually yeah, yeah. a compliment. Because, uh, let's face it, we're a company of millennials. Yes. Right? I don't think there's... There are only, like, one or two people over the age of 40 in PWR. Mm. So, uh, in terms of like our average age, it's pretty young. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty Startup patayo. So, it's easy for people who are traditional big wigs in suits to take us lightly. Because, oh, you guys are young, mm. right? So, to have someone like you who doesn't look like a fresh grad out of college, right. I would call that an asset because of how you look. So, I, I would say that the look put you, uh, gave you like two steps above everyone else yeah, from the get go. I would think so. The aesthetic definitely helped. And until. Until now, actually, um, it helped because people, well, they they come up to me and be like, "You you you look like a wrestler because you are a wrestler, right?" And yeah, so the the look helps, right? Like, um, I don't I don't want to throw shade at someone like Bolt, but like, there's a reason why Bolt gets the criticism he gets uh, because he looks like he's still in grade school. Yes. Yeah. Right? Uh, again, it's not to throw shade at Bolt. It's right. just really calling a spade a spade. Yes. Uh, Bolt looks very young because he is young he and is he's young. lanky and wiry. Mm. Right? So, and, and yeah, the fact that his hair is all colored because of his uh, weebness in real life and in kayfabe, right? Easy to, easy to, to call him a child. Right. And then, you know, compared to someone like you who really looks like a mama. Mm. So, was that deliberate? Like, is that really how you looked even before you joined PWR? Yes. Um, this is always how I am. I'm more comfortable having a full face mm-hmm. of hair instead of head because I can't say that. But like uh, <laughs> full face of hair. I mean, it, it only got uncomfortable and I, I let go of it. Like, but I would never fully take it off. It will only be trims. I would trim it really short. Yeah, I was always very comfortable with this look and I liked it because like most people aren't able to grow, like, a full beard. I'm fucking jealous, dude. Like, right. I can only grow this goatee. Yeah. That's it. Like, I can't grow a full mustache. I have that Chinese Mr. Shuli look. <laughs> nice. Right? So, no, like... not nice. <laughs> I want the full beard. Like, if I could grow a full beard like yours, I fucking would. Right. But, no, that's the thing, right? So, that kind of... I guess I took pride in the fact that this was very natural for me. It just happened. I didn't have to try to grow my beard thick and stuff like that. Um, so, I liked the look, and I kept it growing up so this started growing out actually mustache started growing out at around grade 5 if I'm not mistaken I think that's how it is pag mabalbon kang tao yeah yeah 
Like it starts young and then like you start shaving because the school requirements, right? Right. And you have to have yes. a clean face. So yes. the more you shave, the more it starts to grow and right. thicken and yeah, shit, yeah. right? But like have you ever tried to make your beard grow as thick as say James Harden? Um, I have tried I've tried, but it doesn't grow out in length mm-hmm. or in, in, in fullness. Okay. I don't know what to call it. But like And you can say many piece hair? Um no, it only reaches a point and then it feels like it's not growing anymore because James Harden's has a shape to it yeah, right yeah. mine just kind of poofs in all directions at some point so in, even if you groom it even if I groom it so what's the reaction been at home and like say with your loved ones like oh you know like si Vlad mamang mama right like how, how do you get over that it's not so much the mama comments that get to me it's always like Oh, terrorista uh, if you went into like the, the, the airport people were probably you know not let you go on a plane because you look like that. And that's very... Just so you know, um, I'm pretty sure you're not listening right now, family and relatives, but that's racist. <laughs> it's stereotyping and it's wrong. But, um, have you ever had, uh, have you ever had like, <laughs> random moms tell their kids, Oh, you're going to mama? No, no, nothing like that. No, man. Um, thankfully, people have... Oh jeez, I can I can only imagine. Um, I'm actually expecting it now. Now that you bring it up, <laughs> no, but like if, at if, some point, like the, uh, the the generation above us, about your mom's not in the titas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, pag makulit ka, yeah. right? Yeah, you, you have those comments. It, it's very bigoted, but that's what they grew up on. Like I'm not excusing it, but that's the paradigm in yeah, which they yeah, grew yeah, up. Yeah. So it's it's pretty fucked up. It's culturally a norm, I think. Even like how yayas would threaten their mga alaga nila na parang holoko, papakuwas ko sa guard, papakuwas ko sa mumu. Right. I, I don't know. I, I never understood why. But like, I guess fear is a good motivation. Or like sometimes. fear keeps them in check. Yeah, yeah. Like I've I've heard that from parents before. Now, if you uh, if you don't make them afraid, they're never going to learn how to be disciplined, which is kind of weird then because you also push them away to like, encourage little, them to rebel yeah, yeah that's a gray area yeah so it, it, it you have to like balance it. I, I wouldn't know I'm not a parent right I don't, neither I don't, am I I don't plan to be one anytime <laughs> soon but like knowing what we know now about say prejudice and the way you treat people in right. general right? it kind of uh, makes you look at the way we were raised through a different lens yeah for right? sure anyway alright let's let's uh, get back to the wrestling so who were your influences, uh, you know, when, when you were trying to learn and pick up the craft? Um, how, what do you mean by influences? Though? Like, who were the wrestlers you watched, say, in WWE or other promotions? And maybe locally, like, if there was a local wrestler you wanted to emulate somehow. Um, growing up, it was mostly just WWE. Um, WWE, WCW was also on cable TV at some point, and then after Shane bought them out, which I got to witness on TV, um, no more WCW. Uh, and then I got to see some TNA also, um, the more recent years of TNA. Um, so, like, which ones? Can you I- identify, say, certain wrestlers or certain matches that made you go, all right, I want to do it this way? Um, Styles versus Angle, TNA. Um yeah, that was the one that was really memorable to me um, in TNA. WWE idol growing up was the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, he was just the best all-around performer, um, not just in the ring, how he portrayed emotion, how he drew emotion from the crowd, how he could tell a story. Uh, I just feel like he was unparalleled. So HBK is a really big um, inspiration of how about from the current crop? Because hey, you're a fixture at the viewing parties. Right. Like a lot of the PWR guys, you know, uh, you're, you're part of the crew that always takes up like a couple of booths. Right. Uh, for whom do you mark out the most? Nowadays? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Like say at a viewing party, you know, when this person comes out, you're like, yeah, that's my guy or that's my girl. Right now, guys would be uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. I really like the dynamic, but like even as individual singles competitors, I I, I was fans of both of them. Um, Elias, wow. I am really big on Elias right I now. I see their semblance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much like how we look, but yeah, I, I appreciate how he works um, in the ring. Um, and you know, people never saw him as the kind who would 
get over with the crowd, yeah. especially back in NXT. I like, was a hater. Right? You were? I was a oh. hater in NXT. Like, I was like, oh, this guy would fail. I hate this guy. He doesn't know his gimmick, la, la, la. It comes up on Raw. I'm like, fuck, I love this guy. <laughs> I was a fan of Elias um, back in NXT. I felt like he was very underrated, and people didn't appreciate what he was doing. Um, and then just he got the opportunity to shine once he was called up to the main roster. And now people are seeing, like, oh, this guy's legit. Yeah, it's for real. Oh, legit. <laughs> Taboo word. <laughs> anyway. All right, so, okay. Um, you debuted at the Showdown against Rafi Mabayashi. That was a great match. I loved uh, when you pulled out the muscle buster. Because mm. uh, that was also the time that people had this stigma towards that after the Tyson Kidd incident. Right. So, did you ever have that fear that, oh shit, I might fuck up and ruin someone's life or their career forever? Um, the thought has come across my mind. Like, you can't not think about that, especially after you saw the video mm. of it happening. But, like, I can't continue to just linger around that thought because that would stifle me. Um, I like doing the muscle buster. It's a nice move. People appreciate it. Not just the people I'm working with, but the, the people watching. Um, and as much as possible, I take constant effort to make sure that it's safe for the people who are taking it. So there, it's not that I completely erase it from my mind. Yeah. But, yeah, constantly I'm thinking about just making sure that people are safe. So uh, your career goes along, you know, you start picking up win after win, and people take notice of you because you got unique look, and then you had that maniacal grin on your face all the time, mm. and you had that enigma to your character. So from from that point, you know, you're trying to fine-tune yourself, right? Yeah. Where does Mike Madrigal come in, and how does Deadly Sins come about? Um, Mike Madrigal, my ex. Partner, ex-partner. <laughs> uh, so we, we were paired together because there was an up-and-coming tag team tournament, right? Yeah. To For crown FX. the first ever PWR tag team champions. Um, it was very out of the blue, this pairing, um, because he had his program. He was the, the brash, cocky, kupal guy, right? Yeah. Um, and he was kind of feuding with FRH. At the yeah, time. Right, right. He was feeding with FRH. And I was... I guess there was no real direction to my character at that point. Because I, I was being fed people. Um, but I didn't have something concrete to do. Uh, and I guess they realized that it would kind of make sense to put me in the program. Because Mike was looking for a partner. He was feeding with both members of FRH. And he didn't have anyone. And I wasn't doing anything substantial. Hey, let's put this crazy motherfucker in. Right. So, and and they put the logic behind it that, you know, no one would actually team up with Mike because you're going up against F4H. Yeah. They have a lot of credence to them. And because Mike Madrigal is Kupal. Right. So no one liked the guy and um, the uh, the opponents were, were not a cakewalk. Yeah. Right. So... Yeah, the, the story played out that no one would want to team with him. No one in the right mind would want to team with Mike Madrigal. And it just so happened that there is this guy who isn't in his right mind. So that happened, and um, I don't know how people feel about it, but me, personally, I think that there was more that the Deadly Sins could have done as a tag team. All right, uh, I, uh, I I would like to think that the feeling was mutual, at least between you and Mike Madrigal. Mm. When he came on the podcast, he pretty much expressed the same sentiments. Right. But one of the things I enjoyed with your work together was your dynamic with one another and with the crowd. Because yeah. like, I distinctly remember the dueling chants of, you are a kupal or something, and then you're okay, you're yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So how did you guys deal with that? Like w- w- When you guys would play to the crowd... Uh, you would talk about it behind the scenes or did you just wing it and figure it out when you were there? Um, it was very natural actually because we didn't play dynamic It was early Cesaro and Sheamus where one would get booed and one would get cheered. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't plan on that out because Mike would always get the Kupal chance yeah. regardless. And then at some point the Revelation actually they were the ones who started the whole Yoro okay chant. Mm-hmm. From out of nowhere, it just came about. And then, so they started going back and forth with the, uh, Koopal, you're okay. And 
we thought that, you know, because it brought a different dynamic to the tag team, that we would play off of that. Mm-hmm. So we started going along with the crowd and then, you know, raising hands, whatnot. And it would be weird because I would still be like, I don't understand why there's what they mean. You're okay could be like, you're okay, you're not actually crazy, or you're okay, and you're not cool, okay, galang na tao. So did you ever figure it out? No. Until now, I don't know what they mean when they say you're okay. But like, okay, fine. I'll just you, take you it. You never put your own meaning into it? Because you're the character. You're essentially telling the story. Yeah, yeah. So when you're the author of the story, you have the creative control. So right. like, you never uh, took the wheel and, and like defined how you are okay? No, no. I wanted to keep it open-ended. Just so, you know. But I don't know. Major adventurous. Major exciting. Major suspenseful. I don't... Pag hindi siya defined... I just feel like there's more that can happen. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, okay, I want to ask now about the name. Where does Vlad Sinsik as a name actually come from? Uh, obviously, it's okay. not Pinoy. Yeah, it's definitely not Pinoy. Um, so that came about when I was trying to think up of a gimmick, a character portray, uh, and then so I pitched a few of them to. Uh, the booking team, creative team at that time. Like, what were your early pitches? Um, I was thinking something along the lines of... First off was, like, a Marty Skrull guy. Uh-huh. Where I would be gentlemanly-like, but I would also be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Other than... No, there was only two. There was only that, and then there was Vlad. Uh, I just wanted to do something that... I felt like wasn't being done, but I felt also that parang they could use a little chaos okay. in, in PWR. Um, so I really took inspiration from uh, number one, Brian Tillman. Mm-hmm. I loved Brian Tillman. As a character, I loved the way that he worked. I loved everything that he did leading up towards the end of his career in the WWE, and he carried that over. But he just worked in such uh, a different way where people would actually believe that he was unhinged, that he was the loose cannon, you know, and he was living the gimmick. Um, And I just, I was really drawn to that, like how much he believed in what he was doing and how much other people got to believe because of how he was doing it. So that spoke to me a lot. And so I pitched it to the creative team. And I was like, you know what? Mm, how about someone who's a little crazy? Like, you know. Oh, no, there was something else. Sorry, there was three. Um, there was Vlad. Uh, there was the, the Marty Skrull gentleman guy. And then there was a religious guy. Okay. Which is not to too like, far off from who you are. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to play off of that and kind of be like... Um, uh, maybe I can be a preacher, and then you can, you can put me a tweener, maybe because like I can vilify people, and I can also lift them up or something. Basically, Moises Liwanag before Moises Liwanag. Before Moises was around, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Like I would have loved to see that play out. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because nah. I'm I'm a fan of the idea behind the Moises Liwanag character. Right. I made right. that very clear from the moment he debuted. So if that character was in PWR beforehand, but like I would have loved to see it play out to stories. Mm. Okay, uh, so wait, how about the name? Sending guy named Vlad. Oh Sinsik. right, sorry. Going back to the name, um, Sinsik is actually Norwegian, all right, and it translates to insane. Okay, so that runs around the entire character that is Vlad. Vlad is just number one. I like Vlad Tepesh, Vlad the Impaler, uh-huh. um, and also Vlad means ruler. So I I, w- I would like to think that put together he's the ruler of his own mind. No one really understands how his mind works except for himself. Okay. I was about to ask if it was like, you know how Tommaso Ciampa is known as a psycho killer, but yeah. you can't tell if he's a killer and a psycho or a psycho and a killer. Right. But you just define you yeah, ruler yeah. of the insane. So like uh, that, that question's out the window. Okay. Right. So, okay. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit more because you were also part of that crew that went to Batanes. Yes. So we, we talked about that with, with Ralph last, uh, last week. Lots of colorful stories, but I guess on your end, I just want to know if uh, I want to know your take on having your first match as a main roster guy in Batanes because like people didn't know this, but that's where you pretty much debuted. Yes. Were you already Vlad Sinsik at the time, or were you resting under a different name? Um, I was already Vlad. 
Okay. I was already wrestling under the Vlad name, but I didn't portray myself as insane at that time. Uh, I wasn't off of the deep end. I was just really an angry guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess generic angry wrestler guy. Heel. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, that was that was my first match. Actually, I wasn't supposed to be a wrestler. I, I agreed to the Batanes show um, as a referee. They were like, oh, we have a lack of officials. There are not a lot of people who are available during the dates. So... I was asked to be a referee, and I agreed. And then, like, a few days before, um, I got a message saying that one of the wrestlers got sick, yeah, hop- hospitalized, and they couldn't make it to the show anymore. So I got asked if I wanted to perform, or if I was okay with the thought of performing. And to me, of course, I, I didn't feel like um, I deserved it. I felt like there was a lot that I still need to learn. There's a long way to go um, in the training proper. But, like, I wasn't going to pass up on the opportunity either, um, especially to get exposure, to get a feel of how it is in front of people. Like, yeah, 15, 20 people. 15 or 20 people. <laughs> but still, you know, it, it's a start. Yeah. Right, so... Oh, no, man, you were flown out for your first match. Right. You get to say that. I know, but... Jeez. Well, Ralph already touched up on this. That, yeah, yeah. You know, we were told beforehand that tickets were scattered, that people were coming in from other islands of Batanes and stuff like that, and then we end up with 15 or 20 people, which uh, is a far cry from what was expected, but a crowd is a crowd. Uh-huh. And you work the show regardless. That's a very mature way of looking at yeah. it. Okay, so... Uh, you're a legit wrestler now, and you know you've got your ring name, you've got your entrance. You were in a tag team. You were part of that crazy ass all out war match at Resbach. Mm. What's the reception been like at home? Say uh, with your family, uh, of course, with the people you work with, people at church. How did people take it now? Oh, he's a wrestler now. Uh, all this crazy shit. No, um, other than because people knew from the get go. Okay, um, just a little side note. The, the, the sentons, the videos of the sentons, the throwbacks that you're referring to, that was actually at church. No yeah, way! Yeah, that was Holy at church. Uh, I was jumping off of pool tables onto a pile of beanbags and one of my friends, and that was at church. But anyway, uh, <laughs> people... I didn't never shied away from telling people or letting people know that I was a fan of wrestling. So... It wasn't a surprise. It didn't come as a surprise to those um, who knew me, right? Uh, family, you know, family has been very supportive. That's uh, great, yeah. Which is like surprising, considering like how it was before, right? Uh, oh no, wrestling! You know, wrestling's bad and stuff like that. And now it's just like, hey, you know, you're chasing your dreams. You're very passionate about something, and um, we support you regardless. So it's very heartwarming that there was this change in perspective. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and in school, they introduced me first time, you know, meeting someone. It was like, oh, he's a professional wrestler. It's always that. That's the go-to icebreaker now for some reason. And what's the reaction um, from, like, a new person? Like, say, you know, a 19-year-old sophomore or some shit? Uh, disbelief. And at the same time, they don't know for sure what is being referred to when we say wrestler. Uh-huh. Uh, they think it might be MMA, yeah. um, stuff like that. So, but no, no. Uh, sports entertainment, WWE-style wrestling. Do you ever have, like, a clip from the All Out War match now? Eto? No, I don't show people, like, when I'm working. I don't know. Uh, if people ask to see, I'll show them. But, like, I don't willingly show them because... I don't want to be that guy. Oh, look at me. I'm a wrestler. Blah, blah, blah. No way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just personal perspective, though. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. Like, it's not something. I mean, like, you don't go. If you're an accountant, you don't go around showing, oh, crunching numbers. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like how uh, whenever people say, oh, Stan is a radio DJ, and they go, oh, sample. And I go, Bakit? Janitor ka ba? Pasample na, magmap ka. <laughs> right? Right. Kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, I, I, uh, on, on, that, uh, on that argument, I think I kind of agree. Mm. Okay. So, 
uh, let's get to 2017, and you know you have this this solid uh, solid run, which eventually leads to the All Out War Championship. Right. Right. So after the Deadly Sins breakup, you go in your separate ways, and you know you go and chase the Apocalypse's title. So, um, have you ever been the type to skew towards the hardcore matches? Because at this point, you're pretty much the hardcore guy now, aside from the Apocalypse. Yeah. So, have you ever skewed towards that with your viewing habits or with how your mind works when you're thinking of matches? Um, not so much when I'm thinking of matches, but growing up, I always did enjoy seeing hardcore matches play out or the rules thrown out where there would be stipulations that weapons are allowed. Um, it was always a sight to behold for me, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, so, right now, I guess. I don't know, because I end up being in the thick of it, right? I know. And it's it's fun because there's more leeway to do stuff. Um, you're not restricted by the rules of staying inside of the ring, um, beating the opponent only there, only using your body, throwing weight around, grappling submissions, stuff like that. You like the use of weapons. I like the use of weapons. Even at the, at the cost use of, say, blood? of Weapons, sorry. <laughs> uh, even at the cost of blood, mm, like you're not queasy when you know, when it no, comes to blood. No, like, yeah, not, you're not at all. That, that's good, because uh, I'm, I'm sure not everyone is. But there's a reason mm. why not everyone is a hardcore wrestler. Yes, right. Uh, I, for one, hate blood. Okay, so I would never blade. Right, right. Yeah, so like for you, uh, that's something that doesn't turn you off. No, not at all. Right. Uh, it, it. I'm actually impressed. Because it's like you're embracing it, right? Mm. And uh, I know that there are wrestlers who would actually stray away from the hardcore match. Either because uh, your philosophy nila is, I'd like to just really be a mat wrestler. Or I want right, to keep right. it in the ring and all that. But you, with you, it's like, oh yeah, bring on the weapons. Oh, there's a boxing glove with thumbtacks. Let's fucking use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what were the crazy weapons from the Vendetta match? Like, I know there was like a stack of tables na nakano sa monoblock, di ba? Yeah, like, yeah. Like a wooden there panel was, um, na patong dun sa monoblock. Oh, uh, plywood lang yun nakapatong sa monoblock. Um, some of the stuff that I brought, one of them that I actually got to use was a Hello Kitty tin mailbox. You and you and I was going to ask about one. that. Yeah. That was yours. That was mine. I brought that. Um, and another thing that I brought that I never got to use during the match was a pink Dora the Explorer lunchbox. Okay, why? Why? Oh, obviously for the comedy. Yeah, yeah. It would be a nice refresher to see like, because, you know, all the violence and stuff like that. I didn't want to <clears throat> oversaturate. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, I wanted to throw something in there that would just be a source of comedic relief. All right. And uh, you weren't at Kingdom Come. Yes. Yeah, you weren't at Kingdom Yeah, You had, like, uh, your own personal stuff to attend to. Mm-hmm. But you will be at HHWW. Absolutely. Reuniting with uh, with Mike Madrigal and the Apocalypse of all people. Yes. So that, that should be a fun little story, especially you know, watching it all play out, right? Mm. Um, so at, at this point, how do you classify yourself in terms of alignment? Are you a babyface? Are you a heel? Are you... The tweener. Um, I from the get go, I was always well creative. Creative told me I'd be a tweener mm-hmm. um, because Vlad is a chaotic neutral and he only thinks about himself, pretty much. Um, but isn't Mike Madrigal the same way? Yes, but at the same time, I think he's more of chaotic evil because. Hmm, I don't know how to justify this now. We've, we've gone into... Uh, no, this is fun territory. I love uh, I love dissecting the lawful, chaotic, and... Uh, sorry. Neutral. New, uh, yeah, yeah. Lawful, neutral, and chaotic. And then you, you three by three, none. Right, right. Right? So it's, a, it's actually a fun exercise for me. Like, I'm, I'm sure if Ro and Camus were here, they'd have a, a ball dissecting this as yeah, well. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, I, I'm not sure who did this, but someone actually did this for PWR in the past. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. So like they tried to classify everybody: lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful uh-huh. evil, all that shit. So that sounds fun though. Yeah, but it, yeah, yeah. it's a fun extra exercise to actually do if you had to sit down with like all the characters. Like at this point, lawful good is probably only Panzer. Yeah. Right? Not even Migs, because Migs is like chaotic, chaotic, chaotic good. good. Right? Who is who else is like uh like Dax Javiera is a lawful good? I guess. Um, I guess. So. 
right? But I like, don't know where else to qualify him, though. But everyone else is like skewing towards the chaotic side for some reason because like. <laughs> Uh, but at least we're not edge lords, right? Yeah, we're not edge lords. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, as we're winding down here, the last couple of uh, question questions here is: yeah. um, Where do you see yourself going as a professional wrestler, and you know, as as someone who's found your place in the local community? Um, I personally don't want to be picky. Like, I will do what booking team asks me to do. I don't want to dictate what I'll do or where I'll go um, because I guess it, number one it feels very un- unprofessional mm-hmm. and number two like also feels very selfish um, I want everything to just unfold very organically so but wrestling is also a very ego driven industry in the sense that if you don't have that impetus within yourself to want to succeed right you're going to hold yourself back true so how do you reconcile that? Oh, uh, it's not like I'm going to stop myself from um, chasing my dreams or trying to get to the top of the pyramid. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's nothing like that. I, I will continue to push myself. I will continue to strive for the best that I can achieve and the best that I can put out for the people. Um, but at the same time, I don't want my ego or my pride to be the one that's driving me. Okay. Is there a story, like a fun little uh, backsta- backstage story or, say, just a story of hanging out and drinking with the boys that we haven't touched on but you kind of want to just share into the ether of the podcast? Uh, okay, before we go into that, I just want to touch up on something about Batanas, right? Sure. Um, Ralph was talking about Bruno Bernardo. Yeah. Um, and he was having the hardest time getting to the beachfront. Yeah. Because it's elevated, right? The roadside and then there's a little... I don't know what to call it. What, a sandy dune? Of some sort, yeah. And then, so, and then the beach. Um, and then it came to a point that he was holding a, a stick, right? Yeah. yeah. Parang Walking stick, na, yeah. Oh, and he was trying to usher himself downward, and he couldn't. And then one of the wrestlers came by, right? They noticed that he was struggling. Was that and you? They helped him down. That wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> that was actually the apocalypse who helped Bruno Bernardo. <laughs> Climbed down to the beach, who held his hand, <laughs> and uh, I don't, it's just the funniest thing to me when I think about it that it was him, and that's why everyone at the beach when we saw that we were laughing so much harder because this is the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. This is the heartless creature from hell, and now he's helping out. Yeah, hey, you, you, you know what they say, right? Like. Uh, hooker with a heart of gold. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, not saying that the uh, apocalypse is a hooker, but you know, you get what what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, yeah. It was weird because maybe he has a soft spot for like big hairy beasts. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. So okay, uh, How, uh, is there like a story from you know, um, say the post show drinking sessions we have, or like any of the training sessions on a Sunday? And, uh, you know, like just comes to mind to you know. Uh, paint a picture of how the boys are outside of uh, the boys and the girls outside of outside a of, show right um, well there was one of the post shows we had we went drinking you were there right? is this after APCC um, no this was hmm after one of the shows at Bayanihan uh, I'm, I think this is post Revo X I believe so. Was this when we had that profound discussion? Yes, with God? yes, yes, we did. <laughs> uh, we went into religious and um, uh, how do you call this? Philosophical, philosophical. Yeah, philosophical. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> I don't exactly know how we got to that point. I don't remember either. But like, I I was pretty sloshed at that point. Yeah, yeah, you were. Um, Thanks to JDL and Billy Swade. <laughs> oh, Billy! Billy is the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, Gosh, I miss that guy. Um, mm, what else? Just every Sunday after training, right? Some of us go to dinner and we hang out. Mm. And <laughs> uh, also after the shows, one of the post shows again, it was... In the Makati area now. In the Makati area. We were at Senor Pollo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... Wow, I'm not even sure I'm... 
<laughs> allowed to divulge this information. Uh, you, you can leave out names if, if it's like a hilarious story. Uh, you can leave out the names and let people guess who is involved. Okay, I'll just say the basic premise of it, that one of the wrestlers admitted that he was attracted to another wrestler All of right. the same gender. Okay. And this is not... This guy's straight. Like, okay. he's fully straight. So, it just came as a surprise to all of us. Hey, gender's fluid. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, so, his friend, or one of his close friends... Um, from the like, roster. Yeah, from the roster also. It was like, Okay lang yan. Tanggap ka pa rin namin. Kaibigan ka pa rin. And then, so, every now and again, we would bring up, like, Uy, tingnan mo siya, no? <laughs> and then it came to a point where he was so tempted to just go up to the person and yeah. tell them. But I guess, you know, um, I don't know if it's better judgment or whatnot, but he opted <laughs> to not. And until this day, we still have these conversations. So the object of affection doesn't know. That they're no, 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 they don't know. Okay. Completely in the dark. <laughs> Oh God! You know, see, see, it's these stories. Um, it's it the equivalent not of the road stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because we don't have these these road stories. Like, uh, my best stories are probably there. The the, the God conversation. I'll right, never forget right. that that shit. Because like that was the first time you and I actually had like a decent conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I was like pretty much sloshed at that point, <laughs> right? Uh, like one of my favorite stories is actually driving with Basti from from the airport area all the way up to Eastwood. That's oh. a pretty long ass drive, and that's where the seeds for Ubusan and Lahi were, were first planted. On Father's Day? No, no, way before that. Oh, before that. April Pato. Ah. So, like, that was the day of the MWF show that we both missed, the very first MWF show. Right. So, uh, we, we did this project, we were part of this movie. Mm. So, uh, uh, one of the people we both know was shooting this movie. We were. Uh, we were we, we had cameos in that movie. Oh, okay, cool. And I was driving out, and, and John Sebastian gets in the car with me, and like we were driving, long-ass drive, and uh, eventually I was like, I kind of want to have a, a Survivor Series match in PWR. How do we do that? So you know, we just started planting right. seeds, and we were like, hey, let's revive the feud from last year, and then let's see where it goes from there. That's good, because you already had, like laid the groundwork the year previous. Yes. So there was something to draw off of and build on. So yeah, it's like uh, uh, one of the favorite comments I get about that storyline is how uh, it was a long drawn out story. Right, right. So do you ever have that? The parang you 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 know where you want to go direction wise. So as early as now, you're trying to plant seeds here and there to lead to something bigger. Um, no, I don't think I've reached that point yet. I'm not thinking that far ahead, but maybe somewhere down the line. Who knows? All right. Okay. Uh, of course. HHWW holding hands while wrestling. It is this Sunday at Venue 142 in Katipunan. Again, yes. our guest here, Vlad Sinsik, uh, he will not be defending his championship, but he will be tagging with some old friends and enemies in mm. Mike Madrigal and the Apocalypse. And you're going up against the Yolo Twins and Ken Yolo Warren. Yolo Twins and Ken Warren. Should be, should be a lot of fun, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Right? Uh, what are you looking forward to about the venue? Now, you know, wrestling with the view again. Like Wrestling with the view. No, the view is spectacular up there in Venue 142. I mean, it's... Um, it's high enough to let you see the landscape of everything surrounding, and um, when the sunset comes in, it's really nice. But aside from that, um, I guess the more intimate feel, because there's not a lot of people um, due to the nature of the building and um, the tiles, and it can't hold only a certain weight. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there being less people there, not to the Batanis levels or yeah, the Manila course. Madness levels. Oh, Jesus. Um, but, you know, <laughs> being being a smaller crowd, um, I guess, helps with how we connect with them. Um, so that's something I'm looking forward to experiencing and seeing how the rest of the crew is going to do as well. Sayang wala nang blood mood. But imagine if you had the literal La Luna sound. Oh, man. How would Vlad Sinsik react to a La Luna sound? Jeez, I I don't even know if Vlad is a fan of the moon. I guess it would be because huh, he doesn't get around. He doesn't go out much, right? He doesn't get to go out much, especially at night. He's locked up in his cell or his padded room. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how he's react to that. Uh, yeah, Vlad being unstable, unpredictable. Who knows? I don't even know how he's gonna react to that. 
Okay, last question. I'm going to take a page out of Chris Jericho here. What's your favorite match been as Vlad Sinsik? Uh, favorite match so far still probably is Worst Venue, Photon, Boiler Room. Jeez. But uh, for me, that was my favorite match against FRH. And then I was tagging with Mike, and we were um, no holds barred, and the, the people brought weapons. First ever tag team all out war. Um, yeah. So it was just fun. Um, it was history making. And I guess because also reviews said that we kind of laid the groundwork for what an all out war match should be. So the standard was set. And um, yeah, that's something to look, to look back on. And it, it uh, gives me a lot of pride. All right. There you go. Uh, there you have it. Your current reigning, defending, all-out war champion, Vlad Sinsik. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you for having me at the show. That was a lot of fun, man. Oh, we went over an hour. Great stuff. Okay. Well, um, you know, sad to see that Ro and Raf aren't here. I'm pretty sure, like, the banter would be a lot more playful. And, uh, yeah, there would be a lot more things happening. But, you know, it's always good to have a good conversation with the Mr. Stancy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That also brings us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. No special extra here this week since it's really just me and Vlad here shooting the shit in the booth. But we do want to remind you to catch us on Sunday, once again, for PWR Live, HHWW, Holding Hands While Wrestling. Venue 142 over in Katipunan, closer to the White Plains side than mm-hmm. Ateneo. Uh, tickets, same price as usual, but you can still get your discounts. Just message anybody you know from PWR, and given how tight-knit the community is, we all know somebody who's part of PWR. Right. So just shoot us a message. We'll lock you down for a discount. And we'll uh, see you at the venue on Sunday. And if you want to get any more WWE banter, uh, when Ro and Kamos get back on the podcast by next week, we'll have something uh, for you. And, of course, you can always go to smarthenry.ph. Our reviews are there daily. We've also got your your regular features from our uh, array of contributors. And in case you've been wondering about that new face that you'll be seeing in PWR with the Smart Henry logo at the end... Mm. This person is a Smart Henry scholar. His name is Jan Evander PWD. Not mind about PWD. Yes, PWD. There. Jan Evander PWD. He's our Smart Henry scholar. For those of you who've been wondering, Saban Pupunta bina bayad sa mga Smart Henry viewing party. Dunyon. We've been using that to fund that scholar and another scholar waiting in the wings. Right. So, alam yung hindi nami kinokura ko yung pera. We've been doing shit with it. Right? We've been investing that shit for the future of Philippine wrestling with integrity. Right? So there you go. Uh, those are pretty much all the announcements. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the podcast. Hopefully, we'll have our normal reviewers back on and we can dissect HHWW and all the storylines going on with it. In the meantime, and in between time, on behalf of my guest tonight, Vlad Sinsik, my name is Stan C, and we'd like to thank you for sticking with us through this episode of the podcast and every other episode we've put out. So remember, <laughs> pooped. <laughs> well, I am pooped. Anyway, uh, as, as Ro likes to say, be humble. And as Kamas will say, sit down or whatever order they say. <laughs> sit down, be humble. Peace out. Bye-bye. Glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.